Hello everyone, so today we will be speaking with Alan McEwen. He is the manager of Millsearch Laos, an Australian-based demining company. He will give us a general understanding of the technical aspects of demining. Hello Alan, and thank you for being here with us today. Hi Saskia, how are you going? Very good, thank you. Um, so, first of all, in a nutshell, could you describe to us what Millsearch does exactly and how it started? Okay, so it started um, an ex-Australian Army officer whose last job in the Army was to assess military contamination in Australia, got the idea that uh, it would be, um, there was quite a commercial need for it around the world. And um, we uh, currently, we've worked in 26 countries around the world and we uh, do threat assessments, risk assessments, and then we do management, risk mitigation, or full UXO clearance on uh, both the marine and uh, on, on land environments. Okay, I see. And I understand that it is a family-based company, so what made this family go into this type of work and what made them decide to come to Laos? Okay, well, uh, you know, as I said, he was uh, this army officer, David Halmarek. His last job in the army, he had to do a paper um, on all the contaminated military sites, uh, whether it's through uh, waste or unexploded ordnance or chemicals. Um, all the military sites around Australia, he had to do a paper on, on the contamination and uh, how to move forward with it, uh, remediating that contamination. So he and some other guys got the idea that, uh, it, you know, that would be a good commercial venture. Nothing happened for a few years and they uh, sat around twiddling their thumbs and then a company called CRS, which uh, later on became Rio Tinto, which is, is one of the world's biggest mining companies, knocked on uh, Mill Searcher's door and said, uh, we're going to Laos and we think we need uh, someone with your expertise to uh, to come with us. And that's how the adventure in Laos started and uh, never looked back. Okay, I see. And so when did they join Laos? Uh, early 90s, I'd say sort of uh, late 92, early 93. All right, and when did you join? Okay, so I was already working in Laos for another company, and um, I, uh, I, Millsearch offered me an opportunity in uh, early 2011. That sounds great. And so now a bit more about the company. Do they work all around Laos or just in certain parts? Because we're commercial, Laos is sort of divided up for the NGOs. They have uh, the non-governmental organisations. They have different areas of responsibility. But as a commercial entity, um, wherever our clients want us to go, we'll go. You know, so uh, and uh, as I say, from Laos, we also work in Cambodia, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, Myanmar, um, across the border into Thailand. So we're we're quite spread out. Oh yes, indeed. And as a private company, I guess that you work based off contracts. So could you tell us who those contractors are? Uh, yeah, I guess um, there's a, a number of them. Um, we're working currently for Pubia Mining, which is, um, uh, I guess you'd know, but for, uh, for, for other people listening in, it's, uh, it's actually an Australian company, Panost, or an Australian-Chinese company, Panost, and they uh, have a copper, and t- a copper and gold venture and a copper and silver venture in Laos. Um, and, um, yeah, they're 
to be a mine, it actually translates to gold now. So, uh, so that's one of our contracts, and um, we do UXO clearance when they go out exploring for, for more copper and gold. So, for their, uh, they have to cut tracks into the jungle and then uh, take core samples. So, there's drilling involved. We also another mining company, Rio Tinto. We do some work for them. They're only just doing uh, some early prospecting in Laos, and we've got a contract with the uh, well, not directly with the U.S. government, but through the U- through another company to the U.S. government, um, supporting the uh, the DPAA, which is the U.S. Defence uh, POW MIA accounting agency. So those guys. Um, go out and look for the remains of, of lost soldiers and, and airmen that have been lost during the war. So obviously where they've been lost, there's been uh, you know military activity there and uh, there's a lot of contamination. So we do the clearance in advance for them. And then we have another a number of small uh, other contracts in Laos. We have quite a few around the world, but another in Laos, we do some work for NTPC, the uh, hydropower scheme. We have done quite a bit of humanitarian work under contract over the years. That's the general sort of run-of-the-mill type of work we do. That sounds very interesting. And so, as you said, that you have projects all around Laos. From experience, what part of Laos would you say is most at risk due to Uxu contamination nowadays? Um, well, I would say the two most contaminated provinces are Zengkwong and Savannah Kep probably I would think off the top of my head but it's sort of um, it, some of the other provinces whilst they're not broadly contaminated over the whole province there are pockets of heavy contamination and they tend to miss out on a little bit of funding and a little bit of support because their province isn't known as a heavily contaminated province if you know what I mean Yeah, so yeah. if you live anywhere in Savannah Ked or, or Zengkwong or Salaman, uh, Adipu, then there's, there's a lot of support for UXO clearance. But, you know, Udamson, uh, sorry, Udamsai up in the uh, northwest is, um, you know, if you look at the bombing data, there was very little bombing there, but there's still out pockets, small districts, villages that are badly contaminated and they tend to get overlooked a little, which is unfortunate. Oh, wow. Okay, I see. Um, and so now, can you tell us how the demining works exactly? Well, we, we do it. We have quite a few different technologies we use all around the world for uh, marine work. We uh, tow magnetometers, which uh, or well, there's basically two systems: there's magnetometers, and they, uh, they they measure the difference in the Earth's magnetic field when something metallic is has its own magnetic signature. So that's a magnetometer, and the other one, electromagnetics, they measure the change in conductivity of the ground. So if the sand, if there's something metal in the ground, it's obviously much more conductive than sand, and they measure the conductivity. But for marine work, we generally would tow those types of devices behind a vessel. Um, on land, a, a lot around the world, we, uh, we use a lot of high technologies, But in Laos and Southeast Asia in general, um, it's fairly simple. We use a, uh, an EM detector, an electromagnetic detector, for, to search down to about 25 centimetres. And that looks very much like the Treasure Hunters magnetometer, uh, Treasure Hunters detector that you'll see people searching on the beach for 
Okay, and so once you have found those Uxos, what do you do with them? Like, is there anything as such as recycling, for example? Um, there, there isn't. It, recycling doesn't really occur for UXO, so unexploded ordnance. This is ordnance that was fired or dropped from a plane and was meant to explode and didn't explode. It's generally not that... Uh, it's too dangerous to be trying to salvage any, any materials from them. Um, if, we, uh, if, if we find cached munitions or, uh, for instance, in the Philippines, there's a lot of stored munitions that are really old and out of date and starting to rust and corrode. A lot of those are being recycled and uh, the explosives are being used for NGOs to get rid of landmines and then the metal's being sold as, as metal, you know. But um, for us, our most, the, the thing we like to do most commonly, and, and, and it's our first choice, is to just detonate it where it is in place. That's not always possible. It might be too near a village or near a fish farm or whatever, and we might have to do, take other actions, um, you know, basically to make it safe to move. So, you know, removing fuses or whatever. But our first choice, the safest possible thing we can do for everyone, is just to get rid of it right where it is. Okay, I understand. Thank you. And now for our final question, I wanted to know from your own point of view if you think that it's possible to say that one day Lao PDR will be completely free from UXO. Oh, <laughs> it won't be in my lifetime. Um, I, I think that it, it is realistic that sometime in the future um, it, it may get to a level where it's really it, it is posing a, a much lesser risk and it, 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 it um, you know the money wouldn't be spent on it would be better spent elsewhere you know for all um, donor money there's always that you know you've got to weigh up is it better to spend it on um, training and, and you know the amount of people that die on the roads in Southeast Asia so there's always a, 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 a balance you've got to strike and I guess there would become a time sometime when uh, UXO posed a lesser threat and um, NGOs would be focused on other things. But I think with the Ukraine um, occurring, I think once the hostilities cease there, that's going to drag a lot of donor money away from everywhere else in the world because that will be a, 